0: This morning because we are celebrating July 4th and many of you like me have spent the weekend eating hot dogs and barbecue and apple pie and celebrating all things America. I thought I would start this morning with this story about baseball. What is more American than baseball? I want to tell you a story about a young man who in 1986 was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not too tall, but strong but not too strong. He was quick, had good speed, was a good fielder, covered a great deal of the outfield with that speed. He could hit for power and hit for average, and he was described as having one of the best swings of his era, even early on. He would go on to have 22 seasons in the majors, 14 all-stars, and seven MVPs. And you will know him best by one of the biggest records that he holds, certainly the best known, the home run leader with 755. We are talking, of course, about Barry Bonds. Now, many of you baseball lovers know Barry Bonds and might not necessarily love him because his career was plagued by steroids. But even before steroids came on the scene, Barry Bonds was a special athlete. He was an amazing player to watch. You wouldn't necessarily know this until you watched him play. But his smooth, graceful swing, hitting powerfully, almost without effort, running the bases fast, being a great fielder. He had all parts of the game. And if you just saw that part of Barry Bonds, you would be amazed. You would think, how can this player do all these things, this All areas of the game he excels at. But if you follow the game of baseball, you know that the story of Barry Bonds, like most stories, has a history behind it. You see, Barry Bonds is the son of Bobby Bonds, who was a longtime major league athlete. Fourteen seasons he played in the big leagues, many of them for the Giants. So Barry Bonds, son of Bobby Bonds, grew up in the Bay Area area. Watching his dad play baseball and not only watching his dad play, but it was often said that Barry would be in the dugout of the Giants and you would see him around the batting cages. Now, if you follow baseball, you know that Bobby Bonds was no slouch of a player himself. In 14 seasons in the majors, he was also known for his speed and his ability to hit for power. He was one of the first players to have more than two seasons of 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases, doing a re- doing so a record five years. The record has only been matched by his own son, Barry. Bobby would go on to become the second player to hit 300 career home runs and steal 300 bases, joining none other than his teammate Willie Mays. Oh, right. Willie Mays. He's also playing for the Giants at this time. We didn't even mention Willie Mays, or as Barry would think of him, as Uncle Willie. You see, Willie Mays, one of the best all-around baseball players, certainly of that era, if not all time, was Barry Bonds' godfather. So not only is Barry Bonds growing up with career MLB player Bobby Bonds who's a proficient hitter and stealer of the base path, but his godfather is Willie Mays. And if you follow baseball, you've seen pictures of Barry Bonds in the hitting cage, and there is a well-known gentleman with a San Francisco Giants cap pulled down well over his face, hiding who he is. That man is Willie Mays, one of the best hitters in the game. So his batting coach growing up was not his father, Bobby Bonds but his godfather, Willie Mays. The story of Barry Bonds is much like many stories, where if we look at it just on its face, it seems amazing and spectacular. But when we dig deeper and look at the history behind it, we find it is not necessarily as surprising. Our scripture this morning from Genesis chapter 22 has similar parts to it, and I'd like to dive in. First, by reading it, beginning in chapter one, hear now the word of the Lord. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham replied, here I am, Lord. Then God said, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you early the next morning. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. And he carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, father, the wood and the fire are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replied, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son and the two of them continued on up the mountain when they reached the place. God had told them about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on top of it. Then he bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out of his hand and took his knife as if to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. The angel continued, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your one and only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. And that is where Abraham remained. This is the word of the Lord. The scripture is action packed and has a lot of different images. And for some of you, it will be very familiar. But I want to focus on the ending part this morning. Where the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear. By myself declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring. All nations on earth will be blessed because of your obedience to me. This is a huge statement that the Lord is making to Abraham and to us. But as we are talking about in this series of the faith of our fathers and mothers, the whole story is not just told in our actions. We stand on the shoulders of those that have come before us. This is not a zero sum game and it does not just begin with us. Malcolm Gladwell highlights this reality in his book entitled Outliers, where he reexamines our idea of success in our current culture, in this individualistic society where we champion the idea of one person being able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and make success. He uses examples like the Barry Bonds story and highlights famous people who we have all heard of, for instance, Bill Gates who at the time of the publishing of the book was the richest man in the world. Gladwell writes that we think Bill Gates is going to be Bill Gates regardless of where he comes from, being from Russia or India or the Pacific Northwest, where he hails from. But as we dive deeper into the story of Bill Gates, we find out the very unusual things that is true for Bill Gates that is not true for many other people. Gladwell highlights that Bill Gates has access to a terminal computer that allows him to practice what we would know today as computer programming at a very young age. By the time he gets to Harvard, he has had thousands and thousands of hours of practice. Bill Gates confirms this. Yes, the practice, but also to the unusual nature of this access. Gladwell writes that no one else in the world would have that type of access to a computer terminal, even rare to a college campus at that day. So Gates is ahead of the game at his age. We all have this unique history behind what we're doing. We all have people that have gone before us. Think of what we celebrate this weekend in July 4th. Think of the wonderful pleasures and freedoms And amenities that you and I enjoy because of the people that have gone before us. Our founding fathers and many after served our country, served us to protect and provide for the freedoms that we enjoy today. So many of those things we can in a sense take for granted. But we are here today in many ways because of the people that have gone before us. Take, for instance, my mother last week who preached a sermon and spoke about the faithful friends who have taught her in her life. I am blessed and gifted by their sacrifices in her life, and those are passed down to me. We all have these stories. We see this in our nation. We see this in our lives. We see this even in our families, the people that surround us, the people that go before us, the choices they make as God highlights with Abraham, shape our lives more than we can ever know. But it's, all not, it's not all determined by us or those that go before us. It's not like the writing is on the wall. These are opportunities, but we still have a responsibility and an ability to respond. Jim Collins writes in response to Malcolm Gladwell's ideas on success. And he highlights companies in built to last and good to great and great by choice, companies that didn't necessarily have these great histories and foundations, but chose different decisions and different pathways that led to great success. And Jim Jim Collins highlights this reality that we have the ability to respond. We are blessed by those that come before us, but we also have a responsibility in how we will act. Scripture lays this out for us. God in Deuteronomy 28 through 30 lays out for us different pathways, different things based on his commands that lead to life and things that lead to death. He lays these out, what they will respond to, how we will do these things, what they will lead to. And then at the end, he implores us, choose life. I have laid before you life and death. Choose life. The things we do actually matter. They make a difference. So if you look back and look into your stories and don't see the rosiest of stories or the best things, you can still make decisions to change it. You don't need a Bobby Bonds and a Willie Mays in your community to become a major league baseball player, but it surely doesn't hurt. As we look back into the stories that precede our stories, we see the importance of this And in our scripture this morning, we see that Abraham has a story as well. If we begin only in Genesis chapter 22, we get the wrong view of Abraham. We see God calling out to Abraham to give his one and only son and Abraham saying, all right, I'm there. Let's go pack up the servants and the donkey and the firewood and bring our only son, Isaac. Can you imagine what would happen if he told Sarah what he was planning to do? our one and only son we have waited decades for, and now I'm going to go sacrifice him. I would feel bad for Abraham coming home that day. But if we go back to Genesis chapter 15, we see Abraham downtrodden with a barren wife and Sarah and crying out to God and God promising him, look up at the stars of the sky. I will make your descendants as numerous as they are. And we see Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. But years wore on and Abraham and Sarah doubted and they turned to Hagar and had Ishmael. It's not always this faith and trust that we see in Genesis chapter 22. We know God will provide. Let's give up our only son, Isaac. But God redeems this act and continues in his provision. In the chapter preceding ours this morning, it talks about Isaac being born just when God said he would. God remaining faithful despite Abraham and Sarah's actions. The encouragement I have for you this morning, church, is that it doesn't have to be right off the bat. Abraham has time and experience with God. The same experience we do where we get it wrong and we doubt and we wonder and we fall short. But God comes along and remains faithful. The encouragement is God's patience, his forgiveness, his grace, and his continued provision for us. So where does this leave us in the midst of all these stories and the journey of discovering the faith of those who have gone before us and appreciating the faithful in our country who have blessed and provided for us, those of our communities? What does this mean for us? Well, first, I would say we need to start with knowing our stories. Know the stories of your families. Know the stories of the faith communities that we are a part of. Know the stories of the companies you work for. Story is a very vitally important part of our lives. We see it passed down from generation to generation. Grandparents at family vacations and holidays telling stories of how our family does this, what we do, how we respond. These stories lay the fabric of who we are and the DNA of how we live in this world. By looking back at the stories of our church, how we got from Travis Park to Broadway, how we came from Broadway to Bassey, I can tell the stories of the successes of our church with just a few threads of what I would call community DNA. We're all about children. We're all about family. We're all about serving our local community, and we are a training and equipping center. We are a city on a hill, and we bring new things to this entire region. Through that DNA of our church, I can tell a vast majority of the stories stories of the faithfulness of this church. So know your stories. Second, experience and know personally the faithfulness of God. We all know we will fall short. But I encourage you, God is graceful, he forgives, and he continues to provide. Then lifted up by the stories of those who have gone before us, the assurance of God's grace and love, we are called to step out and respond in faithfulness. And this is not something that we have to get right every time. But it is worth noting that how we live not only affects us, but affects those Who come after us the generations that follow and in hopes with our faithfulness they will begin to be able to tell their story as part of our story our faithfulness laying the foundations of the blessing for those to come. May God bless you as you discover and live deeply into the identities he has given you as beloved faithful children. Not only of His, but of these wonderful communities that shape who we are. Amen.